India er den nest mest folkerike nation i verden, med en befolkning på 1,3 milliarder mennesker. Det er et land som holder på å foreta et grønt skifte. Og i dag har jeg to gjester som skal fortelle og drøfte det grønne skiftet i India. Den ene er Hans Excellence Dr. B. Balabaskar, Indias ambassadør her i Norge, og den andre er verdens klimageneral, som også er Hans Excellence Erik Solheim. Følg godt med. Your Excellency, Dr. B. Bala Bashkar, Ambassador of the Republic of India to Norway. So good to visit your residence here in Oslo, Norway. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Pastor. Uh, I love the Indian cuisine and thank you for all the, the, the delicious uh, foods that you served us before we started. Now, Dr. Bashkar, um, how important is the Indian diaspora for India as a nation. I mean, Indian nationals living abroad around the world. Yes, Indian diaspora, uh, first of all, they are important interlocutors between India and the rest of the world. And uh, they, have, uh, they have been proven people all over the world. They play a very important role uh, in the development and technological prowess of various countries. They are well res uh, respected. They are highly integrated with um, those countries. So they are admired. Now they, so they are um, uh, playing very important role and they are now, we are now, we want uh, them to play more important role back in India. And uh, because they have already achieved, um, uh, they made uh, significant contributions in various fields. Uh, particularly in the scientific and technological arena and uh, acquired certain levels of excellence in various fields. So we want them to come back to India, some of them, uh, and then contribute for our own development. Exactly. Now, of course, you are uh, a global man. You've been the ambassador of India in several nations and a diplomat in uh, even more nations. Uh, and you. Of course, India is the largest democracy in the world uh, and the second most populous nation in the world. Uh, but in a way, looking as a Norwegian pastor, India doesn't need the world, but still you treat the world with respect. And one of those is sitting beside you right now. That's Mr. Eric Solheim, the former undersecretary of the United Nations and the, for Environment and the former Minister of Development, former Minister of the Environment and Climate in Norway, and a lot of other important functions. How important is Eric Solheim for India? You know, he's, um, uh, His Excellency Mr. Eric Solheim is a great friend of India, and he has a long association with India, more than 40 years. And uh, he believes in always, uh, he believes that India is a vast country. I'm sure you will listen from him. India is such a diverse country and uh, no one can understand India uh, sitting far away from India without uh, interacting uh, with India in an intensive manner. 
So he keeps going to India, he interacts with wide cross-section of people. So he appreciates uh, uh, the challenges that India faced, the progress that we made. So I think, uh, uh, I feel that the many people follow him uh, in his approach. And uh, so that's how we value his uh, friendship. And uh, quite a f uh, just a few days ago, actually, you presented to him uh, a certain letter. Mm. What was that about? Yeah, this is a letter from our Prime Minister on the occasion of uh, Republic Day, Day of India. You know, India is celebrating 20, uh, this uh, 75 years of uh, independence. And then um, the, for the first time, our Prime Minister started this uh, gesture of uh, write, uh, writing letters to important uh, friends and interlocutors of India, to India in various countries. And uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Mr. His Excellency, Mr. Eric Solim, is the, one of the important friends at, uh, globally and the most important from, from, uh, from Norway. So uh, he has written a letter to him and then I had the privilege of uh, presenting this to him personally the other day. Mr. Eric Solim, Your Excellency, uh, when did you fall in love with India? I went to India first time as a relatively young person in 1984. At that time, I came back a bit scared, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> because there was so much poverty and I was, of course, not, not used to that. Because now India is a very different place than it was in 1984. But I, I came back prior to my original plan because I was so scared of what I, what I saw there. <laughs> but later, I got some great friends who opened Indian restaurants in Norway. And I went wow. with them to their weddings in India. And the wedding in India, of course, first day maybe 500 people, second day 1,000 people, and wow. third day 800 people, something like that. So these were enormous events. So I got this personal attachment to India. And then, of course, I started working very, very closely with India at a high political level during the peace process in Sri Lanka. India is the one and only neighbor of Sri Lanka. And without Indian support, you could never, ever achieve anything in the peace process in Sri Lanka. Exactly. Now, what did it mean to you that the Prime Minister, Mr. Modi, uh, presented uh, through the Ambassador Bashkai, Dr. Bashkai, this letter to you? I was very humbled <laughs> and uh, it was a great day of joy. Because I know Prime Minister Modi, he, he is a very busy man. He's leading 1,300 million people yeah. in India. So that he had taken all his precious time to write to me and a few other individuals in the world, which were considered friends of India, and can maybe play a positive role supporting green development in, in my case, but also telling to the world about all the massive, positive, impressive developments in India. Because frankly, most Norwegians are not aware. Uh, we are a little bit arrogant in the West, don't really understand yeah. how much we could potentially learn from India. Exactly. But of course, we can also bring technology and business and a lot of positives to India. Now, what you're saying there is probably the key to a great relationship that is respecting each other. Respect is the key, uh, key uh, word. There is an old Indian saying in the Vedas, the whole world is one family. And I love that because if we started seeing Americans, Chinese, Indians, Europeans, all of us as one family, in a family you need to respect. 
if you don't respect the father and mother, but if the father and mother doesn't expect, don't expect, uh, respect the children, if you don't expect respect of the family, it goes wrong. Exactly. So respect is critical for friendship. And India has so much to teach us. I mean, think of the following. You are a Christian channel. There were Christians in India a thousand years yeah. before we had Christians in Norway. Yeah. The first Christians came to India a couple of decades after the passing of Jesus Christ. Yeah. While it took close to a thousand years before they came up here far north. So let's leave a bit of a Western arrogance on the sidelines and start appreciating the fantastic nature incredible people, the cultural heritage, uh, all we can learn from India. Exactly. Now, uh, Mr. Solheim, w having been a governmental uh, 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 person in Norway for years, and the last 10 years, of course, you've been leading international global initiatives, uh, how would you say, by and large, the relationship between Norway and India is today? First of all, there is enormous progress in India. When India became a separate state from the Brits uh, in, in 1948, life expectancy in India was about 30 years. Now it's close to 70 and it's rapidly increasing. At the time, hardly any Indians could read and write. Now nearly all Indians start in school. Not all schooling is great. They may jump out of class at the same time, but everyone will start to get some education. There's enormous progress, and we should appreciate it, and we should see the opportunities here. Because Norwegian business should invest a lot more in India. Uh, we will see Indian investments in Norway. Think of the fact, as Ambassador hinted to, the leader of Microsoft, Indian. Leader of Twitter, Indian yeah. Americans. Uh, Indians in Norway is now doing better in Norwegian universities than Norwegian Norwegians. So India has a fantastic story to tell, yeah. and we should invest, we should learn, we should have contact at many more levels than we have at, now, at the moment. There is nothing, there is no poison in the relationship, there are no problems in the relationship, just we need a lot more of it. Exactly. Now, uh, Ambassador uh, Dr. Baskar, do you, do you agree in that? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, uh, the, there can't be a better person than Solem to uh, highlight India's uh, strengths and uh, so I think it is a very important observation. Exactly. What areas do you believe that uh, Norway ought to invest in, uh, in India? You know, Norway uh, um, is uh, emerging as an important hub of uh, new technologies yeah. in energy, uh, particularly in energy technologies. Uh, then um, in uh, fishing, in shipping, these are the traditional uh, technologies, drone technologies. So uh, having uh, acquired certain level of excellence in uh, research and development and uh, uh, grip over new technologies, we want uh, Norwegians to come to India and then uh, contribute for the India's development and uh, progress. And uh, we have a, an open policy for foreign direct investment, foreign investments. India is, um, uh, as uh, uh, Mr. Eric mentioned, that India, um, you know, treats world as one family. Yeah. So this is the greatest uh, uh, attribute of India, you know. We, you mentioned earlier that uh, you are a small country, 
but our prime minister tells that there is no small country or big country yeah. you know all countries are equal each country is endowed with certain uh, strengths certain resources certain capabilities and then the world has to exchange these strengths yeah. so no country can uh, we also believe that no country uh, can develop in isolation the world is interdependent world is one family so and uh, norwegian uh, uh, um, they are leading in the new technologies particularly in energy we want them to come to india and to contribute for our uh, energy uh, transition as uh, uh, you know the world is now moving towards a green shift so in this um, uh, phase norway has a very important role to play exactly i noted uh, that in many norwegian universities and uh, university colleges there are high level indian academicians who are professors and teachers yes. seems to be a lot of brain power that you're investing in in norway yes we i mean a large number of uh, faculty are here and not only that even when um, uh, in india's uh, uh, shipping industry indian engineers have been playing a very very important role Uh, last year, I had an occasion to visit uh, Stavanger. Then I spoke to some of the uh, shipbuilding industry officials, and they told me that uh, without Indian industry, without Indian in- engineers, they could not really make the progress that is desired. Mm. So they have been playing very important role, and then uh, Indians, Indian diaspora is also playing very important role in IT revolution in Norway, digitization. uh then uh, in other related uh, fields then a large number of faculty are there in various universities they are encouraging in fact they are playing very important role in attracting some of the best minds from india and bring them and involve them in in norwegian research and development uh, mr solma you you alluded to uh, the indian cuisine in the beginning here but would you say that uh, there is a a lot more that india can bring to norway in terms of brain power absolutely but look let's not uh, underestimate cuisine it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very important thing for people and i mean it's quite funny india was under uh, the united kingdom for 200 years today you can find absolutely zero zero restaurants in india serving english food but you can find i don't know hundreds of thousands of restaurants in the united kingdom yeah. serving indian food exactly so the debate between english except maybe egg and bacon for breakfast yeah. between english breakfast english food and indian food is overwhelmingly won by india <laughs> all uh, eating in there and of course that also it's a bridge to in there because if you go to an indian restaurant and get true real indian food yeah. uh, it's it's a bridge but in there's so much more than that because uh, when you have a population of 1.3 billion people the best people tend to be brilliant yeah. very often we have to admit they are more impressive than us Norwegians and they can bring a lot and of course IT is an area where India has played a critical role globally now more and more this India coming up in green business India has the lowest price of solar power anywhere in the world indeed solar power in India is the cheapest energy it has ever existed on planet earth and here there are many opportunities for norway i have recently been involved in connecting some it company in norway with a kind of sister company in india 
we tried to see if there can be a link on battery production in Norway with battery production in India. Some great Norwegian entrepreneurs are going into green hydrogen in India. Uh, these are all in the early phases, but I see a lot of opportunities here for matchmaking and develop, joint industrial development between Norway and India. Interesting. Um, now, you got us on to now the green shift. Um, and uh, I know that Dr. Bashka is very much into this. Uh, but uh, let me start with you, uh, Mr. Solheim. You're, I, I often call you the climate general of the world. Uh, and uh, although first time I talked to you about these things, I call myself a climate skeptic, <laughs> I must admit that you've been pretty good at convincing me. So thank you for that. Now, what is the green shift? What is this about? It's fundamentally about shifting the technologies of energy, transport, agriculture, a few key areas from using fossil fuels and coal and different other technologies which create lots of emissions into uh, the new modern uh, technology of the 21st century. But this is not a cost, as people tend to believe it. It's not a problem. It's an enormous opportunity for more and better and greener jobs and for economic prosperity. And the one person who really understood this is Prime Minister Modi. Because in the past in India, the de debate was always, do the Indians want to develop or do we want to take care of Mother Earth? And yeah. you can guess how many prioritize development? Yeah. 99%. Everyone said, we need to develop because there are still so many poor people in India, we need to develop. Prime Minister Modi has turned this debate on its head into the win-win debate. Where are the policies? Both create development, bring everyone out of poverty, while at the same time, it takes much better care of mothers. If you shift from coal to solar, well, you save money and you create better jobs, and of course it's good for mothers. If you move into electric mobility, I was just there a couple of months back in Mumbai, the mega city, 25 million people, they will now make all the buses in Mumbai electric, and the new buses will be produced in India, in Pune, and neighboring city. So, jobs for India, better air in the city of Mumbai, and of course, much better for climate and the mother earth, a win-win policy. But, but Mr. Solheim, of course, in, in the Norwegian spectrum, you're a socialist, and I am a conservative. Mm -hmm. And uh, the conservatives often use you as the symbol of the bad green policy. But you're actually presenting facts that it improves life and gives us better financial uh, results. Absolutely, and there is no known mechanism which brings us faster into the green revolution and to make it possible to make a lot of money from going green. What's wrong? They're good for capitalists. Absolutely, I mean, <laughs> what's wrong is if you can make weapons of mass destruction and make money from that, or you can make drugs and make young people active and make money from that. These are bad things you need to defeat. Yeah. But if you can make a lot of money from producing solar panels or wind power or green hydrogen or electric mobility or high-speed green rail, fantastic. The green revolution will come much faster. Dr. Botscott, uh, what do you say to this? Is this is this an unrealistic dream or is this something that your nation actually is catching on to? No, it is, a, it is an essential dream, first of all. It is essential that we need to 
move to the uh, make a quick move to green shift and uh, when india when it comes to india india is uh, basically an energy deficient country and we had to we are importing energy of around 200 billion dollars per annum right we need to shift we need to in, in fact in glasgow our prime minister was one of the um, he was uh, foremost in highlighting the dangers of climate and the need to uh, have a green shift and then he declared that india by 2070 it will be zero um, emission country and this happened actually in november 2021 in glasgow yes, scotland yeah, yeah recent glasgow so uh, it's it's an essential dream and uh, we are very very uh, actively pursuing this uh, policy and then by 2030 in another 10 years um, around uh, if we produce a kind of uh, 1 million megawatt and then out of that half a million megawatt will be from renewable energy yeah so i mean uh, so uh, 50% of our energy in 10 years time energy production will be in the green uh, sector in the renewable sector so it's a it's an important agenda for us and then we want uh, but at the same time this green shift should be also economically viable right in the for example in the coming 10 years uh, we we want uh, at least a trillion dollar investment yeah uh, in this sector so it is uh, uh, so it is important that uh, uh, no country can make an individual effort i mean as a a separate effort the world has to join hands yeah. in moving uh, towards this green shift so world has to develop uh, cheaper technologies then bring investments as uh, he said then yeah you make money i mean the business people won't bring money uh, for charity they will invest definitely and they will expect returns and that's where we are uh, facilitating these investments we are increasing uh, more um, uh liberal policies for increasing these investments in the green shift so so on so we have to uh experience uh this shift as early as possible now ambassador uh, i've read that uh india has the largest amount of dollar millionaires in the world after usa is that correct no they i mean uh, the point is here in the uh, in the last uh, 10 15 years uh, let's say 20 years uh, india has um, uh, transformed in many sectors because once india was a kind of a major importer india become india has become a major exporter of uh, various products and indian uh, for example pharmaceutical companies it companies and then other uh, engineering technology so the many new ventures have come up in india and uh, they they started uh, uh, exporting technology they started exporting uh, pharmaceuticals for example uh, vaccines you know we have not only developed 2 billion vaccines for our own consumption we have also exported equal number of vaccines to the rest of the world so in the process of this uh, development uh, india's uh, Uh, when the india's economic strengths have gone up obviously there are these as i mentioned earlier business people they uh, they make money so it it is uh, something which speaks about the new 
entrepreneurs uh, are a large number of entrepreneurs that are that have been emerging in india and who have been leading uh, the technologies uh, and then leading the um, uh, innovations and then also contributing for the global uh, technological and so willingly so yes. willingly so willingly yes of course now mr solan i mean i i see press releases i see stories about you going to india and working with high level business people uh, do you see that this is happening that they're willing to 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 go for the green shift no absolutely i mean when prime minister modi very recently launched a green hydrogen strategy for india to the lead business i mean to the giants of indian business mr ambani uh, in mumbai and mr adani in gujarat they put 10 and 20 billion dollars on the table for this green hydrogen strategy uh, lately mr ambani has even quadrupled that and said that they will invest tens upon tens of billions of dollars in green in making green investments in, in the state of gujarat so it's huge uh, I, when I was in India last, I met with Anna Mahindra, leader of one of the big uh, Indian business groups, and of course he's eager to go into green technologies, green vehicles, two-wheelers, three-wheelers, four-wheelers, uh, green hydrogen, all these technologies to make uh, India green, and big companies like Tata, Reliance, they're, they're all there. So yes, indeed, we see a lot of uh, green developments in India, again, because this is now economically viable, while making the planet a more happier place, both at the same time. You know, we're showing on the screen a photo of you and uh, your friend in India wearing a jacket. And, uh, uh, and b before you explain what that is about, could you make one for me, in e double extra large? <laughs> I would like to have one. I, 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 I will call, call for that. I'm not sure they have that big sizes. <laughs> Tell me, what is the story about that, those jackets? That, uh, that's a very good friend of mine, Afros Shah. He's the world's most famous waste picker at beaches, picking plastic at the beaches of Mumbai. It's, I, I mean, the waste is absolutely incredible, or not is, was. First time I was there, there was half a meter hard-packed plastic. A absolutely horrendous. My friend Afros did not call Prime Minister Modi and tried to do that or put an article in the newspaper. It just went down to the beach and started picking. Then in the beginning, there were 10, then there were hundreds. And in, at the end, he has mobilized hundreds of thousands of people picking plastic at the beaches of Mumbai, cleaning them. But of course, when you do that, you also send a message to business, you need to change, and to po political leaders, you need to change. And they have all responded to this, and Reliance, which is one of the biggest companies in India, has responded by making these jackets <laughs> made from plastic, 50% plastic, absolutely beautiful. Everyone would love to go to... Um, party and maybe chase some girls with <laughs> 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 these, uh, these vests, so these jackets. Amazing. I'm happy to try to make one for you. Thank okay. you. Uh, Ambassador, uh, we're going to continue our conversation after a little break, but could you uh, make sure we get some of this great Indian coffee in the break? Yes, why not? I mean, uh, you need to invest for that. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon. We'll be back for the next sequence in a few minutes.